And that first moment where he's like, oh, dude, I got one of those. I lost it because I kept imagining. I was like, how many times have my friends had that conversation talking about me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we got one of those. You know what I mean? Like, it's Welcome to the What's Over the Podcast. We fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead, hit that follow, subscribe, like, bell notification buttons. Tell a friend about us. Tell a person struggling with anything about us, because this episode, I think, is going to be pretty funny. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. It'll probably make people feel good, whether no matter what situation they're in, because... It can't be feeling worse than the two of us are right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. It is so bloody early. Charles, we're doing this for you. Yeah, man. Like, there was a reason we quit recording on Saturdays. <laughs> You're welcome, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> we love you. Um, yeah. So, we are here to record and talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy Chapter 3, Volume 3, forgive me. This is what happens on Saturday mornings as well. I screw up titles of movies. Um, we'll fix it in post. Exactly. <laughs> well, we won't, but <laughs> my good friend will because he takes care of us. Yeah. In fact, it's a good time to plug. We haven't ever plugged him, so I'm plug him. Robbie. Is the man. Is the man. The myth. The legend. Yeah. So if you're ever needing some audio editing for your podcast or I know he does other things as well in audio he's kept us sounding pretty decently i mean he can't help what we say <laughs> but uh, he certainly makes sure that the audio quality is there he can't yeah. fix the problem but he makes it sound good yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah go to uh, on fiverr robbie underscore mortimer he'll take care of you does a great job He's so good that lately he's been he's been super booked. So make sure that you get in there before the guy just is working on private contract all the time. So with that, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three it was released May fifth, twenty twenty three, which is feels really weird because we saw it on the Thursday show. At least I did. So it feels like it's been out longer than technically it has. It was written and directed by James Gunn. It stars Chris Pratt, Bradley Cooper, Palm Clementine. Dave Batista, Karen Gillan, Ben Diesel, Austin Freeman, Maria Bakalova, Sean Gunn, and Chakuri Iwuji. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe in one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians, if not successful. If you haven't seen this movie, it is just come out, so please... And you want to avoid spoilers, make sure you pause this podcast. <laughs> uh, go watch this movie and come back and pick up where you left off because we are going to spoil the shit out of this thing. Yeah, man, let's dive into this movie. Look, I'm going to start. So we have some topics we're going to cover. And I'm going to start with the question that I have that I felt like I was asking myself the entire time I was watching this movie. And that is, is James Gunn the new Sack Snyder? Okay, because <laughs> listen, when Zack Snyder first hit the freaking, you know, hit got made it big, and I think about three hundred when I think about Zack Snyder in the early, and then I go to like 
you know, Man of Steel, which is kind of a controversial movie in a lot of eyes as far as Superman goes. But I really enjoyed Man of Steel and I loved 300. Like that was one of the most entertaining movies because it was so different. The visuals were interesting and he did a great job of kind of changing up how we look at moments. But the problem with Zack Snyder, in my opinion, is that he became very predictable in that and I've said this many times, it became all about the moments. Like, how can I make these big visual moments or these huge emotional moments? And But the problem with that is, and this is where I think James Gunn is starting to get himself in trouble, is I think back on him, we reviewed the new Suicide Squad that he did for DC. And even in times, like, part two was, volume two of Guardians was really good. Like, I love Guardians 1 it's up there in my top five Marvel movies because it was so different. It was hilarious. Like it was fun. It was emotional, but, and even part two, what for a sequel was really good. There was very little that I was like, this sucks, but it was still a sequel. So it wasn't as good as the first, but this one, man, I was struggling in the theater to find things that I was really enjoying. And I felt the reason was, is because it was very Zack Snyder esque. It was, he took all the things that made him, popular and things that people love about what he does in his movies and he ramped it up to like a hundred and it didn't work as well at that level of James Gunn and it's such a struggle for me like in that moment to go man I'm thoroughly enjoying this movie because I was like they're just trying too hard in a lot of moments in my opinion that's that was my issue with movies it felt like they were trying too hard to capture the magic that they've caught in every movie that the guardians were in guardians one guardians Two, the infinity movies because they were great in all of that and then in this movie i'm like oh it just felt forced in a lot of areas that's funny because i had pretty much the same exact thought and i blame you and your <laughs> uh incessant moments versus scenes because mm-hmm. i was watching it and I mean, yeah, we have a bunch of phenomenal moments in this film that are so great, but it almost, as you like to say, didn't earn that payout because it was just kind of slopped up together and thrown in because this is, this, we're going for the reaction, we're going for the emotional pull, and we're going to throw this moment in, it's going to hit them, it's going to be great. I mean, sometimes it worked, and then other times I was like, whoa. Like what, what happened there? Why, 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 who, who? And it did come off, you know, now that you bring it up, but very much like a Zack Snyder. This worked before, we're going to do it again, but this time we're just going to ramp it up to a thousand mm-hmm. and send it to the moon. And so when it worked, it worked. Yeah. But it, <laughs> when it didn't work, <laughs> boy, I was in there goes, JJ's going to have a field day with this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, and that, you know, that, I mean, it brings up, it ties together my two points that I've wanted to talk about. And that is when it was good though, damn, it was phenomenal. Yeah. It was outrageously good. And the best moments in my opinion were the rocket flashbacks, like, Oh, hands down. Wowza. And then obviously like anytime they were, anytime they stopped trying to be funny, like overly funny, the movie was great. And then there were moments of comedy that were just gold, like absolute gold. It was just when it was like, you could tell that they were writing in too much that I was like, this is Zack Snyder shit. You know what I mean? 
But man, when yeah. they got it right, did they ever get it right? And I think that kind of goes with a little bit of the saga that they paint themselves into, right? Because they come out, first movie, just the opening sequence is, in my opinion, the funniest thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then you kind of have this history where the Guardians of the Galaxy are goofballs. And they're goofballs that, despite their royal fuck-ups, get the job done. (laughs) And then you have that contrast with Rocket's backstory and there's this feeling and, you know, how do you kind of stay within the realms of, you know, people go to see the Guardians of the Galaxy movie because it's funny while telling this backstory that is super emotional and really yanks on the heartstrings. And that was something for me is like I had these jarring emotional transitions. I mean, I appreciate humor. I appreciate bad humor. I appreciate intelligent humor. I just like to laugh. And at some points when I was laughing, I was like, why am I supposed to be laughing here? Or is this, you know, are they going to yank something out from under me? It just felt like it was going back and forth like a yo-yo to where I was like, laugh, don't laugh. Oh, shoot. I missed the laugh. I'm going to laugh anyway, because it was just so back and forth and up and down. And the roller coaster was there, but it it wasn't seamless. And it wasn't an easy transition in between. It was like, turn the light switch off, turn the light switch on. And that was like half the movie. I was sitting there going, and this is a little uncomfortable, but not in like the good way. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. And you know, I think a good example of like the too much is Nathan Fillion in this movie. And you, again, you brought it up as one of your topics, the Orgo Corp shenanigans, because this is one that I felt like I had whiplash. Because when it was funny in the Orgo Corp, like I was dying. Tears running down my face funny. But 90% of Nathan Fillion was unnecessary. And it added no value other than having Nathan Fillion in your movie. Because I will say that the one part, like when Quill was like, He's the boss's nephew. He's kind of, you know, <laughs> and that first moment where he's like, oh, dude, I got one of those. I lost it because I kept imagining. I was like, how many times have my friends had that conversation talking about me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we got one of those. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just, And so I loved it. But then the second time they did the joke, I'm like, okay, it only works once. Yeah. You, you knew it was coming the second time around. Yeah which is the problem. It was telegraphed from a mile away. But the first time you're thinking, oh, how are they going to get out of this? And it's, oh yeah, I got one of those right there. You, you, I like, you're great. Phenomenal. You suck. <laughs> and it, it works. But then when you telegraph the second round, it's like, it, it doesn't need to be there. Yeah. We've already gotten the joke. You did a great job. You know, now back out while you're ahead. But yeah, the whole Orgo Corp sequence It was hard because on the one hand, you know, they have this playing out as, you know, rockets on his last 18 hours Mm or whatever it is. Right. And then you play that side by side with the humor that's going on and then throw in the dramatic fight scene. Like, I think one of my favorite jokes was when Mantis gets the guard to fall in love with Drax and that that (laughs) whole by play. That's fair. It was so funny. But at the same time, like, why, why are they this doesn't feel like they're on a heist to get the code to stop a kill switch. Yeah. Right. It feels like they're, uh, you know, back in volume one where they're going after batteries 
And so it, it just feels a slight disconnect to where it just doesn't make sense to me almost. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, while I was laughing, I was like, why, why is this in the movie? This isn't a funny part. Yeah. <laughs> like this is do or die. And I guess that's part of like the guardians MO, right? Is that a YOLO attitude? It's um, true. But then it was hard to reconcile that with you have seen at the beginning where Quill is drunk and violent and just kind of out of control. It, it doesn't fit. Like it's all these different puzzle pieces that look like they fit, but they don't. Yeah. And so when you put them all together, I was like, well, what about this? What about that? And, uh, you know, for anybody who's like, oh, you're overly critical. Yes, I am. With anything that is attached to Disney, I am exceptionally <laughs> overcritical. But yeah, like the whole Oracle scene, I was kind of get rid of this almost in a way. Mm-hmm. And you don't change the outcome of anything that happened other than, you know, Nathan Fillion doesn't get to be in the movie. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like her making somebody fall in love with tracks like was hilarious, especially because, look, Dave Bautista is secretly one of the funniest freaking dudes on the planet because this guy, I mean, the way he just like puts his head down and you can tell like, yeah, she's done this shit before. <laughs> well, they say it before because she makes him fall in love with his socks like all the time. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, and he's like, oh, man. Yeah, it was so good. But they could have done it anywhere. You know what yeah. I mean? There could have been any moment. In fact, it might have even been funnier if they'd done it with one of the weird animal people on, you know, counter counter Earth. And so I'm with you. I think Orgo Corp was like a very fucking Zack Snyder thing. How do we make this visually stunning moment where everything looks a little different and it's visually cool and everybody's got the bright colors and like the weird, gross, organic planet kind of thing, base thing. And I, yeah. So I'm with you. Like, I feel like it was a way, but again, I think that was the, the downfall of this movie is the overindulgence of James Gunn trying to be James Gunn. And he, you know, this has worked. And so now we need to do more of that. Well, no, you need to do just the right amount. Like you have in the first two and now you're, you, you overdid it and that's fine. It doesn't make the movie terrible, but it certainly distracts from, which should have been a very emotional movie and it had its moments. And I think that's where I'm with you. Like I was frustrated too, because there was a couple of things and I know we have on the list to talk about Zoe Saldana. So we can talk about Gamora in the moment, but I'm also like, this is a movie and the guardians are always going to be funny, which I appreciate. And part of the reason is they're so funny in my opinion is because they're naturally funny in moments because it's natural funny. It's it's them being themselves, and so it comes across as hilarious. Drax doesn't, his race of people don't find, they're very literal, like they talk about in the first one, Like they and they don't enjoy dancing. That's why, like, he was watching Baby Groot at the end of the first one, and he was like, because they don't like dancing. Like, that's they're a very serious alien race. So the fact that his jokes land because he's trying to be serious or when he's laughing it's not really funny except to him that's what makes him funny but we're in a moment where like you said rockets on his last legs like who is the glue that holds this team together he may not have built the team but he's the one that connects with everybody right and here we are going all over the bloody universe 
I needed to feel some more urgency. And I was getting a little weirded out because I honestly thought maybe James Gunn would actually kill off a character, which I would have been okay with. I mean, I don't mind that they, spoiler alert, didn't, but I would have been okay with it if they oh, had. I think it would have improved it by far. Sure. I mean, I think it would have added some serious level, but at the same time, they dragged ass so long, I would have been like, it's your own fault. Uh, and there were so many close calls, too, when you think about it, where it's like they almost did it. Yeah. You know, Drax got blasted. Probably should have died. Nebula got torn to pieces. Yeah. In several occasions. And it's like somewhat, I mean, Groot was ahead yeah. at one point. Like he grew that body back real fucking quick. Yeah. It took like, him a whole movie to get to where he was from a, you know, root. But apparently, it took him like a head movies. Yeah. He was a baby in one and then he was a teenager in another. And it's like, it took yeah. him a whole fucking, I'm like, and he just popped back out and I was like, ah, because it was that, you know, almost like they, they wanted to add that urgency, like you said, and that, you know, the stakes are high, but I, I wasn't buying it yeah. because they backed up every single time. So, you know, spoiler alert again, when they get to the point where, you know, rockets kind of in limbo, I was like, ah, he's not going nowhere. Yeah. There was no tension there because I knew they weren't going to do it. It was frustrating too. Cause like it was such a, an emotional because I've been looking forward to that emotional moment where you see in the trailer Chris Pratt like screaming next to the body of uh and you don't know it's the body, but you see the tubes coming out. So you assume whoever's hurt dies. And I'm and I mean I guess technically, right? Yeah. He dies on the table, but it lost some of its oomph because a minute ago he's being carried by Gamora getting bounced around the damn ship i'm like look dude this dude's about dead he's not hooked up to any of the tubes or anything anymore and he's getting thrown around like a rag doll like how's this dude still breathing yeah it was just a struggle in that moment that moment didn't add any value i think they should have found a different way to find his grandpa that was dying or it was somebody that added value to one of the characters but not enough like even make it craglin that's dying or you know what I mean? Like somebody who didn't play a huge part in the movie anyway and was enough to get everybody to go out and do it. But I don't have the emotional attachment or they don't have the emotional attachment to this person that makes me go, mm, you know what I mean? They're OK taking their time or dicking around in the yeah. midst of it all. They chose it for the emotional flashbacks. And that's the thing is like this movie doesn't fit together yeah. with what you're trying to do almost. And so it's just slopped up there and you know this will work we'll make it work we'll make the pieces fit yeah and it kind of does but there's enough cracks in it where it's like ah you know this would have made it so much better like i pointed out i would have loved the fact if his grandpa was dying yeah like you know then you have this regret this emotional thing everybody does leave with quill Mm -hmm. uh, and it just makes more sense and fits more into the story that they're trying to tell but yeah like going back a little bit to zoe saldana I was like, why is Gamora in this other than it's Zoe Saldana and she's great? Yeah. And so it was one of those other things where it added stuff that doesn't need to make, that isn't needed to make the movie move ahead because she's with the Ravagers now. She's off on her own thing. Yep. And so I was just like, ah, well, so I, many missed opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I liked the dynamic of Gamora being like, being a baby, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I think it would have been better if she, Either like with you, she wasn't in the movie, but we know that was never going to happen. 
thankfully to a degree, because it's Zoe Saldana. She's amazing. And Gamora is such a big part of the Guardians. And the fact that they brought her back in Endgame means we have to include her, right? And she's such a big part of the Guardians. But I think keep her with the group, but have her be a complete dick like she was through most of this movie. And have it part of this movie be her emotional like it was, but we don't need the part of instead of Quill being an emotional freaking joke for the first five minutes of this movie and an absolute, you know, in his cups and can't even walk around and mean and have him just be awkward because he's trying to recreate the emotion and the, you know, the relationship that he had with Gamora with a different Gamora. Cause some of that was comedy gold too, because he's like trying to win her over, trying to reprimand her for not being his Gamora. And like some of that was funny, but I'm with you. I feel like she was wasted or have her be the one that comes in. Like I said, if it's Kraglin that's dying, now it's Gamora and the Ravagers that can come in and drive nowhere, go to nowhere, drive them. They're the ones that she comes in and saves them. And it keeps Zoe Saldana out of the movie for a while, but she was barely in it anyway. The only part that she was really impactful in this whole movie was when she was fighting friggin' Adam Warlock, which wasn't even a fight. It was more of her getting her face scraped all over the freaking ship. And anyway, yeah, I'm with you. The Bowie. Yeah, it was just, I was disappointed because she was almost relegated to cameo. Yeah. And at that point, don't put her in. <laughs> yeah, or put her in it's at the very end and or yeah, something, but don't try to make her a major talent. character. Yeah. yeah. So that was frustrating because it was, once again, just jarring, didn't fit, didn't need to be there. Added stuff, you know, but unnecessary stuff. All for a kind of lackluster performance. Not by Zoe Saldana, but as the Gamora character in the movie. Sure. So, yeah. I had another, okay, and this one's nitpicky because of the comics. Look, it makes sense to me, but it bothered me so much that it pulled me out of the movie, and that is Adam Warlock. <laughs> this is good because I had a similar thought, but I didn't know enough about the comment. <laughs> comment on it. <laughs> and, you know, and I should have put Will Poulter as one of the characters, but I'm still so mad about the portrayal of Adam Warlock that I was like, I can't add Will Poulter. And look, Will Poulter does a great job. He's a great actor. He's funny. He's really good. And look, I understand. Let me preface this again with spoilers that they, they show that the high evolutionary pulls this Adam Warlock out of his cocoon early, which hurts his development. Right. So, but I had a hard time with Adam Warlock being a moron because he's a pivotal character in the comics in the infinity gauntlet saga. They couldn't get him into the movies and bake him in in time to make him part of the Infinity Saga of movies. But he's a huge character and he's a troubled character. His biggest enemy in certain stories in the comics is himself, a different version of himself. In the original version of Adam Warlock, he had some schizophrenia issues where he had like some personality disorder things. So like he's a very troubled character. He's a very but he's he's not an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, he's not a fucking child. So I had a hard time with that portrayal. Now, he's also one that goes back and forth between, is he good? Is he not good? Is he, 
yeah. I mean, I, I just was disappointed in the portrayal because I've been looking forward to Adam Warlock being in it. I was excited by Will Poulter playing him. And then the way that they portrayed him, I was like, this doesn't do any justice to Adam Warlock. Now I'm hoping, as we saw the post-credit scene or the mid-credit scene, that they're able to pull him in in some way, shape, or form and make him a version of Adam Warlock that I can appreciate. But I, it was so... And again, this is a me thing because of my comics background, but I was so disappointed in how they portrayed him, even though they tried to explain it with the, you pulled him out of his cocoon too early. It was a huge distraction for me throughout this movie. The portrayal yeah, of him. It felt, for me anyway, it felt like they were trying to recreate Dave Bautista's Drax mm-hmm. and make him overly literal, misunderstanding, and just, I don't know, dumb meathead. Yeah. But it didn't work because you already have Drax. <laughs> yeah. You don't need another one. Yeah. Probably the biggest issue I had with it was when he vaporizes the guy. Mm. That whole thing was to get him to counter Earth. But he vaporizes some dude to where there's nothing but bones left. But somehow this guy's electronic communicator is perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and then like, he shoot. stops being able to disintegrate people later. Yeah. Like, have him rough the guy up because we've already seen he's, you know, pretty much Superman. Yeah. And so I don't need him to misunderstand and vaporize some random Ravager. Like, have him throw a couple punches at this dude. Yeah. Um, and I'd be much better for it. But it just, it just felt like they were trying to recreate Drax. This goes back to what we said at the beginning with James Gunn. You know, oh, this worked really well. Let's do it again. Yeah. If it worked once, it's bound to work twice. Yeah. We love likable idiots. Let's put two of them in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't work, which is a bummer because I like Will Poulter too. Love him. Uh, Even though he's kind of been relegated to D-list acting. He knows his stuff. He's good. He shows up. He gives solid performances. But I mean, with what he had to work with. I think he did a great job with it, but it sure. wasn't, it didn't work once again because like we've been talking about it almost felt like they couldn't make up their mind. Yeah. Emotionally heart-wrenching movie or likable idiot. And it shows, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Well, and they had so many good actors because again, just like another phenomenal actress that was wasted in this movie is Elizabeth Debicki as Aisha. She was great in part two as like this side villain. Mm-hmm. And she is an outrageous actress. Like she is so fucking good. And in this movie, I'm like, again, all she's she was just in it to make sure that Adam Warlock could be in it. And I was like, oh my god, it just didn't. It did not work for me. But that brings me to before we start wrapping up with the curtain call conversation. But what brings me to another is who got me was Chuck Woody Uji, the High Evolutionary absolute phenomenal villain i wish i agree he was still around because the amount of like just i don't give a shit and the just raw psychosis that this man played this character with i loved everything about that villain and that was all down to that performance from the beginning like when you first see him with rocket as a baby and he's like sweet and kind and being nice. And then he just, this progression of 
just pure villainy of down to the line when he's the line at the end, when they talk about God and he's like, there is no God. That's why I stepped in. I was like, what a fucking great line. And what a way to deliver it. Because you're like, this guy really believes that like, there is no if, ands or buts. He's played this part to the point where you're like, Nope, he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and he's dangerous and he's powerful. And I love every moment. Yeah. He was, one of the highlights of this movie for me. Yeah. And you can add him to the list of villains that Marvel absolutely wasted. Yeah. And what, that's like the fourth, fifth one in a row Yeah, <laughs> yeah. where you have these great villains that come in for one movie, get the audience. So enraptured, everybody loves them and then kick them to the curb. They die in that same movie. Well, especially I mean, from a franchise that's had so many villain problems at its early days. Yeah. Now you're getting rid of the most, intriguing and powerful ones that I'm like, I want to see more of this character. And it's not like you couldn't have gotten away with having him sneak off somewhere. Sure. Like it's completely doable, but they, they didn't take the opportunity. And I was sitting there cause I had the same thing. I was like, Oh, this guy kind of is a, you know, a couple cuckoo short of a full clock. Yeah, dude. But he's also got kind of the power base to support his, you know, crazy dreams, for lack of a better term. And it, it is intriguing. It's like, how, how are you going to take this guy down? How are you going to beat him? He knows everything. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess you wrap it up once again. And just a little bit of a lame, not lame necessarily, but unnecessary or unneeded fight scene to show teamwork. Yeah. Well, and don't get me wrong. Like, I love the fact that Rocket outsmarted him again, like with the anti-grav boots, you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. kept his gravity power from being a thing. Like, I love that moment. I was, and, he, and then he has the, I'm the I'm Rocket Raccoon. I'm like, this fucking, this is amazing. It was one of those really great moments in the movie. Yeah. But, and then even more so when they fucking destroy this dude together, which was great. And then they peel his face off. And you see what Rocket did when he just tore this guy to shreds early, you know, in his memory banks and then chose to let him live. Like, I was like, yes, you're going to let him live. And then they blow up the ship. And I suppose they never in it, you know, it's a Marvel or most movie thing. You don't see him die. So he's there's always a room for him to come back, which I hope they do. I just wish they would have shown him getting away, like show his mangled ass face using his you know, whatever powers to get out of this thing. Cause I want to see him again. You know what I mean? Like he's a villain I can get behind. Cause he's scary. He's terrifying. Cause you're like, this guy's unhinged. He'll do whatever to read. Like we watched him blow up a planet. God doesn't yeah. care. Just for kissing gales. Yeah. Just to start over again. That's a wicked one. Anyway, but that leads right into, and I'm going to start this conversation. Cause you want to talk about the curtain call and I love it. And it's a great, thing to talk about in this but i want to start with one of the true wonderful fight scenes action scenes that in have been in any movie let alone uh a marvel movie but the fight when they all come together on the ship and you got after everybody gets finally gets together they come in with the big old tentacle monsters and then they have it's almost like a hallway fight from daredevil yeah in that big bunker area like the ship area of this this fortress thing dude what a great fight scene it was so good the action the camera angles like it was dope as fuck 
for me, I'm like, oh, this is great. And I was like, you can't outdo this. And then again, to your point, even though the power of friendship was kind of overdone to a little bit, the absolute manhandling of the high evolutionary was in the same vein of what we just got done watching that when this team is together and in full go mode, dude, they will melt people down. And I really enjoyed that. And I think it really led into the ending of the movie showing how this, the future of, or the lack of future, depending on how you want to look at it, of this particular version of the guardians of the galaxy. I agree because it, I mean, it sticks once again with what we've seen in the previous guardian movies. Like they take on Ronan, they take on ego when they do it together, strike the numbers and they work well as a team and it fits and it makes sense. And it's, amazing and they upped it with all the cool camera angles and everything so i love that scene too mm-hmm. but when i was watching it this entire movie just felt like that curtain call mm-hmm. and i was kind of bummed because i think it is right there's no guardians for on in the works yet or if there is it won't be james gunn yeah it won't be james gunn and there's certain actors that have said that they're like zoe saldana's done which doesn't hurt because again she didn't as much as i love her she's one of my favorite actresses out there she didn't really add any value to this movie for the most part, so I'm okay. And then Batista, which really hurts the franchise as far as, because he's great, have both said that they're definitely done. And I think Rocket uh, voice, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper's done as well. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it all, it feels like this curtain call, right, throughout the entire movie, and that's why they're cramming all these big emotional impacts in, because, oh, this is our last chance, go big, get remembered, and it separates, you know, and this is a problem with creating, like, a cinematic universe, right, mm-hmm. is every movie, film, edition has to play its part to tell a bigger story, and, you know, I think this is what Phase 1, Phase 2, Phase 3 did really well with Marvel, is these pieces that add to this overall cinematic goal after Endgame, I've been really lost in what is happening. And it doesn't seem, it seems to be a lot of standalone movies that are, you know, Oh, this is going to restart this or start this off, but they're almost branched too far. And then you get this one, which comes in and this is just James Gunn putting his stamp on guardians of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. And he's pulling this work, this work, we're going to go big fireworks, do all this more action, more jokes, more humor. I'm going to go out with a bang. And it does, right? It goes out with a bang, but I'm sitting there. I'm like, was this a Guardians of the Galaxy movie or was this James Gunn vanity project? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I was sitting there and I'll tell you what really kind of irked me because I'm a huge fan of old music, right? 70s, 80s, classic rock, love it. Mm-hmm. And I love that the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of kickstarted this trend mm-hmm. where you have this old music. And I mean, the, the one that gets me the most is when it's uh, Fleetwood Mac in the second movie where mm-hmm. you first see Ego. Everybody's starting to do it now, so it's a little bit overdone, but Guardians are the guys that kind of really put this in the mainstream. Yeah. And I was sitting there, and as they're ending this, you know, not the mid-credit scene, sure. post-credit scene, whatever it is, but as they're ending the film they jump into a recent song and I was sitting there. Good song. Great. Nothing. Great song. Not mad about the song choice, mad about the attitude behind it. And you can say whatever you want about like moving into a new era, new guardians, a new decade of music, whatever. But I was sitting there. I was sitting, are you kidding me? (laughs) 
Mm -hmm. What is this trash? (laughs) Because it didn't make any sense to do it. I'll just go ahead and spoil it. And the, Mid-credit scene, post-credit scene, whatever it was, yeah. where they where they throw back on Redbone. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know, full mm-hmm. circle. That's a song they should have fucking played in Nowhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it would have been great if they had played the song that they play in Nowhere in the mid-credit scene. In the mid-credit scene. Because it still does what you're trying to do, right? Yes, it's a new Guardians team. New Guardians team, new era, new music. I can get behind it. But I was sitting there, and I I that was at the end of the movie that's when i texted you and i was like what did you think yeah because i was like ah this is you know you have this theme and it works and the song choices that they pick throughout the entire three movies make sense like even down to the beastie boys i know make an appearance once again in a chris in a movie with chris pratt yeah i was loving it yeah and then you throw in a newer song and i was sitting there, i was like oh mm-hmm. why you didn't have to do it no, so, I, agree. I mean, the whole curtain call thing, you know, it was like a building up and I realized what this was, you know, pretty early in the movie. I was like, okay. And they get up, get up, I'm like, oh, big finale. And then they drop that. And I was, I was like, oh, that's bad. In my opinion, nothing against the song, nothing against sure. any of the, his great song. But in this moment for this time, I was, ooh, I would have yeah. done it differently. Yeah, I really want, I'm, I'm with you. I wanted a true closeout of our current team. And then you, like I said, you just, all you have to do is in the mid credits, you have them playing something new. It shows that transition to Rocket's leadership to the new phase of the younger, newer version of the Guardians. And we didn't need, but I'm with you. They just, they just did a a swap at the wrong time. Even though I understood what they were trying to do, it didn't work for me as well. Especially after this big emotional scene where you get Groot using something other than I am Groot. Right. And, you know, they're all together and realizing that they're all going to go their separate ways. And Rocket's the new, you know, head of the Guardians. And it was it was a really cool moment. And even the dancing, like watching Drax dance and like it was really cool. But you know what I mean? Yeah. All they needed was to do like and it's such a nitpicky thing in that moment. But at the same time, I think it changes the emotional value of these two scenes. And you brought up something that I said to Casey when we left the movie. And this is for Marvel because, you know, I've been trying to say we talked a lot about Marvel and how phase four, phase five just hasn't worked as well. And I've talked about the reasons that phase one, two, three worked so well was because of the way that they set it up. It was a lot of no name characters. They added they got you emotionally attached to these individual characters or groups. And then they brought them all together. The problem I have been saying is, and this is the epitome of it is we have a familiarity with some of these characters and we're missing the ones that really held the groups together. Right. And that's not necessarily Marvel's fault. That's just the transitions that we're in. But I told Casey, when we got out of this movie, I said, I think if Marvel was smart, they wouldn't wipe the slate clean, but they would make it feel like they were going to, and they would start fresh with new characters, new movies that don't have any tie-in to our old Marvel phases. They're going to reject it for now. But what it will do, they won't even, I don't think, reject it as hard as they have some of phase four and five. But bring in these new characters and then have it as we get close to the culmination of phase four, phase five, phase six of these new characters battling together. Now bring back your old characters 
Because again, we now have this emotional attachment to new characters like we did with Iron Man, like we did with Captain America, like we did with the Hulk, like we did with Guardians of the Galaxy. And now you can bring in those legacy characters, tie them to this new universe that you've created that's similar to the early universe so that we're not in this moment of we want new and exciting and interesting, but we want that tie into the old as well because they're in this weird transition piece where I don't think you can do both because you're missing the parts. You're missing a lot of parts that made the legacy so good. So you're forcing things that just don't feel right, in my opinion. So you got to rebuild that core. So it's just a thought that I had of they'd be smart if they just went, okay, we're done making movies that involve legacy characters. We need to build four, five, three, four, five movies that are new characters and that don't attach it. We can have the little Easter egg drops and things like that. And then as we get closer, we have some of these big movies where we bring back the new Captain America. We bring back some of the old guardians of the galaxy. We bring, you know, those characters that are still around the legacy characters. We bring those back. But anyway, that was just a thought I had that might, how I would do it. Not that I'm anybody special other than a podcast host, but <laughs> um, I like your way, JJ, for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I watch enough movies and enjoy movies in a non-critical way enough that I was like, this is what, what I would think was pretty cool. And I'd have the questions, man, where's, where's new Captain America? Where's, where's Hulk? Yeah. Where's Wong? Where's, Doctor Strange, where are all these characters? What the fuck are we doing? Are we just starting over them? And then I would go, okay, well, I guess they're starting over. Great. Let me learn about some new Marvel characters. And then all of a sudden in one movie, in a Shang-Chi movie, now all of a sudden... Wong shows up. Yeah, Wong shows up. I'm like, fuck, this is awesome. You know what I mean? So that's... Anyway, that was just a thought that I had. But yeah, Guardians. So here's the thought I just had that yeah. piggybacks off your thought. Could that have been what they were trying to accomplish with their shows? Introduce new characters... And they beat that up so bad that now they don't know what to do. Could be. I'll be honest. The Moon Knight TV show is one of my favorites. Oh, it's amazing. But no, I haven't gotten anything with Moon Knight since then. Yep. And now we're coming up on what, about a year? A little over a year since we've had any news of Moon Knight? Yeah. Well, and I don't know if you ever watched Werewolf. At- I did watch Werewolf by Night. It's great. Yeah. And it was but detached from everything, right? And that's, those are the ones, if you think back, the things that are completely detached, because Shang-Chi was the same way. It was mm-hmm. very detached with the exception of Wong. And Wong wasn't in it enough to like change the whole movie. He was just in it. And it made sense for him to be in it due to the nature of the film. The fact that there was the Asian influence and, and where it was at in, it was an Asian film, right? And the fact that there was a lot of mystical arts pieces, so it made sense for Wong to be there. But we, that's, that was it, right? Like, that was all you got was Wong and then some Easter eggs. I liked Shang-Chi a lot. Everything else, though, is, as far as movies, were either legacy characters or it was forced. They forced legacy characters into it to kind of bring it. And I'm with you. They, it hasn't worked. Not very well, anyway. Whereas the ones that are detached and kind of standalone shit is what worked. And I know you hated it, but even for me, Miss Marvel, I enjoyed the majority of that show. I think the only one that 
I just couldn't handle was She-Hulk. And that was because that movie, that show just sucked, in my opinion. But I still stand by my Miss Marvel, but I don't I think I hate it as much anymore after what we've had to go through sure. from Marvel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, here's the thing with this before we rate it, and that is to say that this movie could have been as good as the first two Guardians, in my opinion. But I'm with you. I think the circumstances really hurt it, and that being James Gunn's exit from Marvel, the fact that most of the, a lot of the Guardians aren't going to come back, the actors, because that's their choice. And I get that. I don't blame them at all. I will say that they did with the post post credit scene leave me very intrigued because we're getting, they hinted at the idea of the legendary Star Lord comic series which was interesting did you stay for the final i did so when they said the legendary star lord will return that was more than a series of solar comics oh yeah that was just chris pratt's ego coming through no yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so (laughs) star lord had his series of his own comics where it was the legendary star lord and so that's a direct Ah. tie-in so i was like that's intriguing and chris pratt has had some interviews post release that have talked about you know, there's a chance I come back now that it's been announced that Star Lord's coming back. But with it, there's other versions of Star Lord, so it's an interesting concept, and I'm excited to. I hope that they do a version because I also love Chris Pratt in this movie. I like Chris Pratt most of the time, but in this movie, he's as Star Lord. The guys carried it, so I appreciate that. So I did get a little excited after that one. It's like, ooh, the legendary Star Lord. That's exciting. But again, it goes back to if. You didn't fucking know what that meant, right? Yeah. I saw it and went, ooh. You went fucking Chris Pratt and his ego. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I went that Star Lord's ego. Way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Um, all right, let's rate this thing. Alec, you go first this time. God damn it. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, boy. So I'm super torn with this movie because to say it's a bad movie is wrong. It's not a bad movie. To say it's a great movie is also wrong because it's not great. But the things that don't make it great don't necessarily make it bad. Um, And I've been struggling with this. Like JJ Mm -hmm. said, we saw this Thursday night. I have been struggling with it since then on where to rate it. Because I I mean, I love the humor. And we didn't really talk about it. But the whole bad dog joke. Oh my God. I was dying. Hilarious. I think they may have stretched it out just a teeny bit too long in some cases, but most of the time, every single break that they had to go back and tell this joke, I was dying with laughter. Oh, yeah. Because it's so fun. And so that stuff I enjoy. I enjoy the stupid humor, but, you know, stupid humor that still has a purpose and a place is phenomenal. And so it's, it's hard for me to put like a number on it because I have, you know, like we said at the beginning, when this was good, it was great. And when this was bad, it was horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go just slightly above middle of the road. I'm going to give it a three, mm. three out of five. I will watch it again. I don't want, you know, people listen to this. Say, oh, I'm not going to watch it. Go watch it. It is worth a watch. Don't go in expecting necessarily cinematic gold because you're not going to get it. But if you're looking for a laugh, looking for a uh, rip your heart out of your chest moment, this has got both. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give it a three. I, I definitely think it's worth the watch, but don't expect too much out of it. Probably the best way to put it. 
Yeah. I think to just run into mine, piggyback on yours, and that is to say, I think this movie suffers from comparison syndrome. And that is the first two, in my opinion, were two of the best Marvel movies. One of the best Marvel movies in the first one, if not the best top two sequels within the Marvel cinema. You know what I mean? Because it was still, Mm -hmm. second one was still so good. Comparatively, this one, because of how good the first two were, my expectations were super high. And for all the shit that I give James Gunn and the fact that I hated, more or less hated the Suicide Squad movie he made, I felt some of that Suicide Squad shit that I criticized heavily in this film. So I think it's just the new direction that he's headed in. That being said, you know, we've we talked a little bit about the critis- critical piece of this movie, but there were some phenomenal parts of this movie. And I had a running joke that was killing me too, was that did that look cool? Or, <laughs> you know, that looks really, but it looks cool, right? Like that yeah. shit was hilarious because that's this group of people, right? Like they're like, but did it look cool? Like, <laughs> or that was fucking dumb, but it looked cool. Like, and then the fact that, you know, it, I was pretty surprised too because it had Marvel's first fuck in it and what a great moment just get in the fucking car (laughs) (laughs) or open the fucking door or whatever it was (laughs) yeah i was like oh shit they dropped the f-bomb in a marvel movie so i mean there were so many things that made this movie good but then there were so many things and and the worst part it is it wasn't even like a lot of it was bad it just took away from what was great because it was unnecessary or it was overdone or forced that's the conundrum of this movie for me is that I don't think any of it was terrible. I just think that it wasn't good enough. So what was great wasn't as great as it could have been because of the things that pulled you out or was distracting or was overdone. And that all comes from, I think the circumstance of what this movie had become because of all the situations with the actors and James Gunn and everything that's going on behind the scenes which I really hate when movies suffer because of bullshit that's going on in the real world, especially ones that have the ability to be, this could have been a sequel that maybe even surpassed the original, in my opinion. With all of that said, I'm like you, like I have been beat as on with Matson last night because he's back in town and I was talking to him and he asked me, how was it? And I'm like, fuck dude, I can't answer that question right now. I am still racking my brain with what, because he wanted to, what are you going to rate it? I was like, I don't know. I have no fucking clue. And I didn't until this moment right now where I'm going to rate it. And I'm with you because I've been like, I don't want to overrate it because I don't want to say it's phenomenal. But I also don't want to shit on it because I had a good time watching the movie. So I'm going to go a step higher than you, as is my norm. And I'm going to give it a three and a half. I really, really wanted to give it a four. But I just think the things that did pull it out and the overuse of a lot of unnecessary things really distracted me enough that I can't give it in that four to five range. I just can't. So three and a half for me, I'm with you. I will watch it again when it hits Disney plus and I'll fast forward through some shit that I just don't care about. But I think the one thing that really got me was the emotional. And that's one thing that guardians has always done is I'm like, how did it make me feel some shit when all this silliness was, and it did like in rockets backstory, fuck that shit tore me up. It's great. So anyway, there it is. Three and a half. Overall, pretty good movie. A lot of fun at the very least with some really great running gags. Because I won't lie, when 
Cosmo fucking freaks out at the end too. It's like, I knew you thought I was a good guy. I was like licking his face. And I, dude, it, that was such, it was great. I loved it. Not even the Soviets called me bad dog. <laughs> Well, in the card game where, like, he just reiterated, he's like, you, she is a bad dog. And then, like, they all just go, fuck. Because <laughs> all I can picture was, like, the whole time Cosmo running around going, "I'm take it back, take it back. Yeah. Or bitching to everybody. Craigman called me a bad dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was great. I'm with you. Best joke in the whole fucking movie. So, there it is. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Go watch it. It was fun. And it's worth seeing in theater visually because it is a gorgeous movie like all of them have been. So it was fun. All right, Alec, tell everybody where they can find us if they're not listening. Happy to. Uh, thank you for tuning in to our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This one was a bit hard to put into a box, to say the least. Uh, we both had a very hard time reviewing it, so if you liked it or didn't, let us know your thoughts in the comments below, or send us an email to host at whatsourverdict.com and let us know if you loved it or you hated it and why. If you are new to the pod, welcome, and go check out a good review. The boys did an episode on the dark night a while back. So go watch that before judging us and come back again for another episode. We can be found wherever podcasts can be found, including Stitcher, Apple, and YouTube. Leave us a review or drop us a comment to interact with us because we crave the attention. Uh, special thanks to our current patron, JJ's Left Nut. You kind of get the vibe for the community atmosphere from just that right there. Uh, you are amazing. And we did this quick turnaround for you, good sir. We appreciate all that you do. Uh, if you enjoy the content we put out and want a more direct role in the content that is released, there is a Patreon spot open for JJ's Right Nut. Plus, every dollar earned on Patreon goes towards funding Zarg Nut production in the U.S., so it's for a good cause. With that, I will kick it back to the king of Crash, the great Bambino, a JJ. Oh, I love it. That's another good joke. I ate them all. <laughs> and then he eats another Zark nut. <laughs> Dave Padista is a fucking comedic genius in these movies. Well, their relationship was the best part of this movie. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> I love those two. Get on the bike. We're going to go back to the ship. Yeah. You yeah. sure? <laughs> 10 oh, feet? Yeah, yeah. Drax. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they're like, what are you doing here? She just points at him. <laughs> great that was great all right well there it is see it had great parts man it did it did all right well with that as always we appreciate you tuning in we'll catch you on the next one hasta la vista baby cinemagic out